Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Tom Campbell is our guest. He is the moderator of North Carolina Spin, a, a friend of longstanding of mine. And his family, of course, uh, has a rich tradition of uh, uh, not only public involvement in North Carolina. His father served in the General Assembly for a number of years and then was on the uh, Public Utilities Board. And, of course, his family founded Campbell University. That's where the name came from. And his uh, family also uh, built the first television station in Eastern North Carolina, WNCT. That was back when Tom could claim to being a broadcaster. That was pretty interesting. <laughs> I was eight years old, Don. Well, that's true. And uh, I, I, see, I'm one of the few people that know when Tom was a disc jockey, his name on the air was Tom Terrific. Tom Terrific on the radio, the square peg between the round tables. Well, and uh, Tom Terrific. I, you, see, you know, I think you should be introduced that way on North Carolina Spin. Uh, Tom <laughs> and uh, his wife, Lib, have been friends of longstanding. Lib is a Methodist minister. Actually, I guess a semi-retired Methodist minister. Fully retired. Yeah. And four children. So anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about the state of journalism right now, Tom, because you have seen it change from that period of time where we had three basic television networks and people could trust the, the, the They didn't necessarily always agree with what was on the national networks, but I think there was a respect that uh, most of it was well-founded and well-covered uh, to the state that we have today where we have all these cable news channels that uh, probably get into more editorial than they do news reporting. Yep. And uh, also have the social media problems and, uh, and of course, the demise along this line of the importance of the daily newspaper. So how about talking for a little bit about the state of journalism? Uh, I worry uh, about it, and I worry about it uh, primarily in the newspaper business, but I also worry about it in radio and television um, from the standpoint that, you know, the, the public uh, surveys show that uh, the general public just doesn't have a very high opinion of people who are in the, the news business, the journalism business. And I think a large part of that, and frankly, a lot of it goes back to, if you remember, Jesse Helms uh, used to talk about uh, Dan Rather and CBS and how they were so biased. Well, you know, if you, if you keep telling something long enough and loud enough, sooner or later, people will start believing it. Uh, I, I, as did you, competed for many years against the local newspaper. And sometimes, frankly, uh, the newspaper was always the one that had the biggest readership and, and generated the most revenues. But by and large, most newspapers were, were pretty good and, and did a good job of covering their local communities and telling us uh, who, what, where, why, when, and how uh, of what was going on in the community. Uh, it is a shell of its former self uh, right now. I talked to John Drescher, former publisher of the News and Observer, not too long ago, and, and I, I was lamenting with him uh, the death of journalism and, and, uh, and newspapers in particular. And he said, you know, when I took over as publisher of um, the News and Observer, we had something like 140 people in our newsroom. And he said, today, they're 45. Now, the reality of that is you can't cover uh, a capital city. You can't cover, you know, the, the, the shoulder cities around Raleigh uh, 
with that kind of staff. You just can't do it. Television has expanded their staffs um, quite a bit, but they have grossly uh, expanded the amount of coverage and television time that they're taking. And frankly, uh, the folks I know in the TV business tell me, we just don't have the time to really do the research, uh, to be able to do investigative reporting or to to really do the, the backgrounds on stories. And so, so, so many times what ends up by happening is they hit it a lick and a promise. They just gloss over it. Uh, I was, I was watching, uh, uh, frankly, one of the cable shows, uh, they were talking about North Carolina, uh, and, and this absentee ballot situation and, uh, the reporter, a national reporter for, I'll tell you, MSNBC, missed the story. Uh, she, she was trying to play up the racial aspect of it, and it is there, but she missed the fact, uh, the, the, the overall story itself. And I, I credit that not because I think she's a bad person or that she's necessarily even a bad journalist. I don't think she had the time to really dig into it and find out what the real story was. And so people are not getting uh, the, the full story in a lot of instances. And, and it bothers me greatly. And social media is, is just a train wreck. I mean, um, you can say anything you want to uh, on social media and, and get I did a I did a piece not long ago, uh, a newspaper column not long ago on uh, racial uh, inequalities in North Carolina and had statistics in it. A guy got in touch with me and within the first two sentences of his response, he called me a Marxist and anti-American. <laughs> and then, by the way, told me he'd be happy to conduct further conversations with me on this subject. And I wrote him back and I said, you know, I just don't think we have anything to talk about. <laughs> he wrote back and he said, well, that tells me you can't defend your positions. And I said, that's not the case at all. But when somebody who doesn't even know me starts off by calling me names like this, and this is very, very prevalent. I'm sure you see this on y'all's websites. Uh, people feel entitled to say anything they want to, uh, true or untrue, and it doesn't make any difference. And it is a, a state um, that I, I'm very, very worried about it because uh, at some point in time, we're going to have to have some source to be able to present facts to us about what's going on in the news. And if we don't trust anybody, and if we have so demoralized and, and debilitated uh, news sources, then we end up in a situation where we're not going to get that truth. We're not going to get um, good news. And I don't think people make good decisions if they don't get good news. <laughs> Pardon me. The uh, excuse me, you choked me up. Uh, uh, the uh, problem that I see with uh, television reporting, and they are devoting a lot of time uh, uh, as a percentage of their broadcast data news now, because they're basically news from five a.m. until nine. But basically, they're repeating the same stories every thirty exactly. minutes. Yeah, dominated by rapes, robberies, and murders, and uh, crime. If it bleeds, and, uh, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. And so we're still not getting very much coverage of state coverage or even local coverage, uh, issues that are happening in the public school systems and uh, uh, the dialogue that's happening at the General Assembly on the various uh, 
legislation, legis, legislative methods, uh, things that come up. So let's let's uh, just take let's take Raleigh for an example. There is no capital correspondent that I'm aware of in a newspaper or a television station here anymore. There always used to be, and that person always covered. Okay, Laura Leslie probably at WRAL comes the closest, but uh, somebody that covered the Capitol beat, the Raleigh beat, all of the state agencies. State agencies tell me they can't get anybody to report. They can send press releases. They can do everything they want to. They can't get anybody to cover their stories, and and that's not good. The other problem that we have these days is. Uh, is the uh, fact that we have very little dialogue between the two political parties and, and the uh, legislative uh, elected le legislators that are representing those two parties. They're all following the party lines and there's not much chance of uh, dialogue, the subtle issues and dialogue was so important to good legislation. It is. I, in fact, I, I asked my two political science scientists this week because uh, there used to be collegiality. Uh, even, I mean, there's always been differences of opinion, but Republicans more conservative, Democrats more liberal. Um, but uh, that collegiality has gone to the point where Republicans don't even talk to Democrats anymore. I mean, it is, it's, it's a really sad state of affairs. And I asked them, I said, what's going to take to change all of this? And um, I wrote a column about that this week. I think term limits can be helpful. Um, Susan Roberts said she thought gerrymandering would help fix some of this if, if we could get away from the extreme gerrymandering that has taken place in our state. But, but something needs to happen because we, the people, are not getting the government that we deserve. Well, you, uh, you know, the, the whole political uh, effect is, is based on negative ads. So we know almost every negative position the candidate has, but we don't know what they stand for. We know what they are right. against. Right. And uh, that does not give uh, a really good uh, uh, background for how you cast your ballot. You know, you and I go back long enough that uh, we remember the days where when a political candidate would buy 15 minutes on the station and yes. speak for 15 minutes. Uh, and, uh, Boy, you you knew more about them, and you knew more about their positions, and you knew what they were going to do, and you knew more details. They just couldn't rant about their opponent. But but the, yeah. the, all the political consultants say, you know, if you want to win an election, what you got to do is you got to take an issue and tell people how your uh, uh, opponent. Uh, disagrees with a particular point and try to scare the bejesus out of them and then point the finger of blame and tell them, you know, uh, that it's his fault. And that's how you win elections. Well, I, I, I will say, well, I won't say this. I was sorry to say I'd say this for the next segment, but I think I can wrap it up very quickly. And uh, two elections ago, I offered free time to candidates, free time to candidates, to come on my radio stations and let me interview them. And they wanted to see the list of the questions. Yeah. And I would give them to them. And so consequently their political advisors would not let them take the free time. Right. Because they couldn't control it. And uh, uh, I've never let anybody I interview see the questions. It's just a standing rule. And you're right. You did yeah. the right thing. 
Our guest is Tom Campbell. As we have said uh, several times, he's the creator, executive producer, and moderator of North Carolina Spin, a program that's weekly on uh, WUNC-TV. And we will be back with one final segment with my friend Tom Campbell right after these messages. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. I came out in the 11th grade. Nobody was embracing you. The kids were cruel. It was very difficult to be gay. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. The hard part was determining that I was going to do it, but I definitely didn't do it alone. At age 30, with the help of her mentor, Carissa finished her high school diploma. I have a mentor, Maria. She convinced me to continue my education and to finish what I started to get my diploma. Just never judges. She's a true role model. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Tom Campbell, who's the moderator of North Carolina Spin. Watch North Carolina Spin on WUNC-TV each week. And Tom, before we get back to too much, tell us the times of the broadcast on North Carolina Spin on UNC-TV. We're on UNC-TV Friday nights at 7.30 and Sundays at 12.30 in the afternoon. But we're also on UNC's North Carolina channel uh, Friday night at 10 o'clock, Saturday at 4.30, and Sunday at 10 a.m. And of course, you can always stream it at your leisure by going to our website, ncspin.com, and it's easy to find the button that you can stream the show, the latest show. If you're not familiar with the program, Tom always has two, uh, four guests, two of which uh, usually are uh, more conservative in their views and two in liberal, and they, they uh, discuss the issues, and it's interesting to watch them because they, the guests always seem to have a great respect for the person across the table from them and it's just good dialogue and I highly recommend if you want to keep up with issues in North Carolina that you watch this program. Well Tom as we started the program off uh, uh, this has been quite a week we've not only had uh, tax return issues uh, President Trump we've had uh, the uh, presidential debates if you can call them that and we've also had President Trump testing positive and I might remind the listeners that we are recording this program on Friday afternoon. So if there's anything we say that might be slightly out of date, uh, please understand that. But what a week. What a week. Uh, you know, we always, in, in election cycles, we always talk about uh, the October surprise. Well, part of the October surprise came in September this year, because it actually started in March with the pandemic. But part of the October surprise came with the debate. And then the other part came on Friday, October 2nd, uh, so far as finding out that the president and the first lady had tested positive for COVID-19. 
It's going to be another interesting uh, election because of the fact that for the first time in history, we have 1.1 million voters out of the 7.1 million registered voters in North Carolina, 1.1 million have requested absentee ballots. Now that's 16% of the electorate in North Carolina have requested absentee ballots. Um, by the way, 10% of them were Republicans, uh, 22% were uh, Democrats, and uh, about 16% of them were unaffiliated voters. But, but here's the thing that's gonna be so unique about this. By the time we get all of these absentee ballots returned and the results of early voting, by the time the polls close on Friday night, we will know 80% uh, uh, of the ballots uh, will have been cast uh, before uh, the, the election day. So uh, uh, Michael Bitzer uh, estimates that we're gonna see 5 million votes cast which will be an all-time record in North Carolina. It is going to be a fascinating, uh, doing election returns, we've always enjoyed doing that, as you know. Uh, it's going to be interesting and fun this year. Well, and not only that, but everybody's going to be keeping an eye on the senatorial race because in addition to the presidential race in North Carolina, the senatorial race between Tillis and Cunningham may well decide who has the majority in the United States Senate. So it's going to be a, a hotly contested seat and one that is of national significance. Tom Tillis told a rally, a Trump rally down in Fayetteville last weekend, that uh, everybody recognizes and realizes that if the Democrats are going to take over uh, control of the U.S. Senate, they're going to have to win North Carolina. So this, this is a very significant race. Well, and uh, I'm sure we're going to continue to hear an awful lot about that over the next three or four weeks. And uh, of course, this is the reason there's so much third party money being spent in North Carolina by outside uh, uh, sources because uh, they are focusing on this race as being vital to the control of the uh, of the United States Senate. And that's going to be something to watch. These independent expenditure groups are, are just pouring money into this state, in the U.S. Senate race particularly. And you talk about the money. Cal Cunningham raised $28 million uh, in the in the last uh, week following the debate. That's a lot of money. That's, you know, that's huge. That used to be the entire campaign budget for candidates. And yeah. now they're raising in one, one week. So, Tom, uh, we've got about uh, four minutes. Uh, you are a keen observer of politics in North Carolina. When we wake up, uh, whenever the election returns are final, who do you think is going to be elected in North Carolina, starting with the governor's race or starting with the presidential race and then going to the Senate and then the governor's race? How is North Carolina going to vote? I think, I think the races uh, in many instances are tightening up. Um, the Trump won North Carolina about three and a half percent. I think it's going to be a very narrow uh, margin, whoever wins. I, I'm sort of believing now that uh, Biden may pull this thing out uh, in North Carolina, which will be, by the way, only the second time since Jimmy Carter was elected that a Democrat won our state in the presidential race. I'm fairly certain Roy Cooper will probably win re-election. Uh, his favorable numbers and his polls have had him in, in, in many instances in double digits. I think the Tillis-Cunningham race uh, probably is going to be somewhat determined by how well Trump does in North Carolina. 
at this moment, uh, real clear politics, and most people have uh, Cunningham up by a point or two, but that's well within the margin of error. Uh, I think that's going to be another tight one. I think as you go down, and by the way, I think one of the big things we need to watch in this election is our judicial races, uh, particularly our Supreme Court races and the Court of Appeals races. Uh, The control of our Supreme Court has been in the hands of Democrats. Uh, They had a plurality. Uh, One of the Republican justices is running against uh, uh, the current chief justice, uh, so there's going to be a vacancy, some, a new person serving uh, in the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, it could turn into even a larger Democratic plurality. And this is becoming increasingly important in our state because so many instances, major issues are ending up in court. And it's the pr- Supreme Court uh, who makes that decision. A lot of people say they're rewriting legislation, but uh, I think they're important races to watch. What about the lieutenant governor's race? We don't hear very much about it. No, we don't. We've got two African-American candidates. Uh, we'll have the first African-American uh, lieutenant governor in the state's history, Yvonne lewis Holly, uh, whose father, both of us know very well, J.D. Lewis, uh, deceased, uh, is running against Mark Robinson from Winston-Salem. Uh, he is espousing a lot of the Republican uh, kinds of issues. She is more along social justice, affordable housing. Um, I wouldn't want to make a call on that. The polls show he has a very, very narrow lead, uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past uh, Yvonne to uh, rally her, her uh, party and rally her support across the state. Well, one of the things, and we've got about 20 seconds to comment on this, one of the things we didn't even get to talk about because we're so busy talking about other things that are more pressing is the fact that there was a Supreme Court nominee submitted by President Trump to the the Senate. So you've got about 20 seconds to give your opinion on that. I think that uh, uh, Mitch McConnell, if he's smart, will decide to wait until after the election. I think with all of the scare so far as the pandemic, and cases of COVID-19 in the Congress, I don't think there's any way he's going to get this done before November 3rd. Tom, thank you so much for being with us. I know that the listeners appreciate that. You can hear Tom each week on UNCTV's North Carolina Spin, uh, a great program with uh, great guests and uh, a good source of information for all of the people. Uh, Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us next week on this same group of stations. So until next week, same time and same station, we hope that you and your family have a great week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.